Welcome to Big Ideas in Supply Chain. It's my pleasure uh, to be with Kevin Cook today. Uh, Kevin is the VP of Supply Chain for North America for Sandos, which is the generic arm of Novartis. Uh, my name is Alan Chalk. I'm an industry thought leader with Canaxis. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Novartis's and Sandos's uh, digital transformation. <clears throat> but Kevin, I think I first met you probably 10 years ago at a Logi Pharma event, you were talking about rhythm wheel manufacturing. At that time, you were a real manufacturing guy. And, uh, and you know, what you talked about was really interesting. And I think that's what led to us uh, getting acquainted and then uh, staying in touch over the years. So do you, do you remember what a rhythm wheel is? Yes, I do. I do, uh, Alan. It was. Uh, it's been great uh, maintaining our connection and our ability to talk about supply chain concepts and really trying to talk about things that moves our industry forward. So yeah, it's been really. Uh, it's been great. Yeah, and we really want to embrace the rhythm wheel uh, concept, um, but in our state, current state of so much change in supply chain, um, it can be a challenge. But uh, yes. it's still something we uh, definitely ascribe to. I'm sure you violated a few rhythm wheels yeah. like most departments have. Uh, Kevin, before we start, uh, I saw in the news just a few weeks ago that Novartis finally announced that they're spinning off Sandos. Um, could you start off by maybe telling us a little bit about that and uh, your level of excitement? Yeah, so, so I mean, we're really excited about it. Um, it's the chance to really build the company um, as a competitive generic uh, company. It's been great being part of Novartis. Um, we've learned so much as co-companies together, uh, but this is really our chance to step out um, as an independent generics company that we're forecasting to happen at the end of uh, third quarter next year. So right now we're in obviously really heavy preparation mode for that. Um, and again, we're just really looking forward to the opportunity uh, to continue to bring so many medicines to so many patients worldwide. Yeah, you know, Kevin, I think I've, in my career, uh, starting with Baxter, um, you know, I think I've seen four or five spinoffs where my company has spun off a division. And every time the spinoff did better than the mother company, especially yeah. in the stock price. So um, good luck to you on that one. Um, so, Kevin, uh, today's topic, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Novartis' digital transformation? you know, why you saw the need to have a transformation and, and, and what's happened, you know, I guess over the last four or five years. No, thanks, Alan. So, I mean, I think for us really it was, there's so much opportunity with digital um, and it was all about how do we find digital opportunities that really meet our needs as a business. And like most companies, it started internally. So we started to look really for efficiencies, productivity uh, opportunities internally on how do we automate our processes better? How do we bring uh, information and analytics to be more uh, as a DIY application than having to rely on IT and, and, and long uh, wait times for that? Um, and it really grew out of the need to become more productive as a company. And now we're kind of on this journey of how we actually start to link to our suppliers and our customers um, on a more of an end-to-end -end basis. And how do we unlock the value of the entire supply chain from us as manufacturers to ultimately our patients and providers? Um, how do we go about that journey of bringing information about our supply into the broader supply chain world? Um, 
making the supply chain run better, making it more resilient, more vis visible, um, and, and at a lower cost, while at the same time meeting patient needs in a, in a better way. So I think from supply chain-wise, we're really focusing on expansion into understanding how the end-to-end -end world works, um, who the digital partners and players are there, and then how we start to build relationships there. And then continuing to work on all the new areas, right? Artificial intelligence, we have programs around natural language processing, um, predictive analytics are a really big place uh, that we're investing in. And of course, advanced planning um, as well. So for us, it's been kind of moving from trying to do things more in a productivity basis internally now to trying to continue to do that, but then take it into building uh, really great end-to-end -end supply chains. So I, I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that Novartis has 17 instances of SAP. Uh, so you have now have an advanced planning solution that sits on top of all of those and allows all of those to communicate in between and with uh, markets and affiliates around the world and suppliers. Yes, yes, we do. But again, that's on the Novartis Pharma side. Um, yeah. On the okay. Sando generic side, um, we had the forethought or the luck or however you want to call it uh, to be on a single platform. So for Sando's proper, we're on a single platform. So we're able to communicate and see things um, on a real-time basis. And then yes, to your point, there's about 17 different SAP instances that Novartis is on a journey right now to consolidate all of those instances on a single platform. But yes, on the advanced planning side, that's been where Canaxis has been such a big piece of our strategy is to link from Novartis or from Sando or from external partners, um, having that one planning platform that really brings it all together and kind of creates that, that vision and that ability to plan across multiple nodes um, in, in how we're, how we really needed to work uh, as a business. Great. Um, oh, I thought we lost you there for a second. Yeah, my camera. Sorry, my camera went off. Uh, um, and and Kevin, all of this has happened while we've been in the middle of Industry 4.0, mm -hmm. so that has to tie in somehow. And then also serialization and track and trace, which is a huge amount of data that I hope we can leverage someday. Yes, exactly. I mean, those are really big initiatives um, that we're really thinking about how do we deliver them from a regulatory perspective, but then what is that set up, right? So serialization certainly starts to open up the supply chain that everyone has to now communicate tracking and tracing uh, on all of our products as they move through the supply chain. It's a huge opportunity now for uh, to open up visibility, to open up new ways to see demand, new ways to plan, um, and new ways to to create better access to our products in the markets. So I think yes, we're we're definitely looking at all of those newer technologies about how we leverage them, um, at, you know, from a compliance perspective and then from an opportunity perspective. And, and do you ever think that we'll have the trust uh, with distributors that they will open up? Um, because I'll tell you my dream, uh, I've always been a big proponent of cycle time reduction. Yeah. And, and that's always been within the four walls of your enterprise. But just imagine if with track and trace, we can follow an individual unit all the way to the pharmacy 
and have such a precise granular understanding of cycle time and where product is being held up and you know where there's opportunity it'd be a huge win-win for both sides you know the distribution side and the manufacturing side yeah i i think that is that's what the promise right and that's what i think we're trying to achieve and i think as you said Alan, the main piece of all of it is trust because digitally it wise we can do it all um but the challenge is if i make my supply chain visible to my distributor to my customer and i have a challenge in my supply chain how is my customer going to react is my customer going to work with me and say let's do a few one-time buys to basically help uh, alleviate that initial supply chain issue that I have and then come back online as their main supply point or are they going to say I see a weakness that you're now showing me um, I'm going to switch that award to another competitor um, and and use that data almost against you versus mm -hmm. using it in a collaborative way um, to solve problems together so that we see things earlier and react earlier to alleviate it. So I think that data is already visible to the forward supply chain, the wholesalers and the customers. Mm -hmm. anyway. So what our pitch has been, let's create more transparency, but on the basis of a trusting relationship um, that we're in this as partners, we've demonstrated mm -hmm. we're reliable. Um, and that as we share that information, we need to have good trust underneath of it so that as it's used, it's 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 working to the benefit of both of us as partners um, and not something that's used um, as a as something that can be switching awards or something that can be used against right. you. So that trust piece has to be talked about, worked on security wise um, as well. But I think those are the conversations where there's definitely willing partners out there that get that. Uh, and those are the ones that you start with. And then hopefully it just continues to grow from there. Okay. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, so you've been on this journey for quite a while. You have your advanced planning solution. Um, really interested in hearing some of the benefits that you're seeing from that. Uh, I know in the past you've talked about awards, what I call tenders, um, and uh, you know how that's helped you in responding. Um, but maybe talk about that and maybe some of the other benefits that you're seeing and then even benefits you're expecting in the future. Yeah, no, thanks, Alan. And again, we're, we're in the early stages with it right now. Um, so right now it's been just about getting the platform up and running, right? So we have SAP feeding Canaxis. So right now it's just been about getting the data clean, getting an end-to-end -end view of our supply chain, starting to see inventory levels um, and planning parameters globally. Um, that are much easier to see and work with in the Canaxis platform versus what we had with uh, with SAP. So I think as we start to get that common view of our supply chain and validate our data, we then, yes, want to take it into, as you mentioned, tenders and awards. Mm -hmm. So in the generics business, um, you live and die. We have 40 to 50 tenders a month where customers are coming to us and say, can you supply at this level? Um, we have a competitor that fell out of the market. Can you step in? How long can you step in? When can you step in? Um, and just think about that multiplied by 50 with different customers coming to you and asking you, can you do things differently um, that versus a frozen supply plan that you just got done creating yesterday, right? So yeah. the beauty of, of a tool like Canaxis is that it's separated from SAP. Um, we have freedom to basically adjust parameters around capacity and demand and supply chain nodes. 
and basically run lots of what-if scenarios that are interconnected across all of our nodes. So we can just model key capacity bottlenecks in our other nodes, make adjustments there, and we can also unconstrain the entire supply chain and reconstrain it based on a new set of priorities that if we have a very big customer that's come to us that is, for us um, makes more sense to respond to than maybe how we set our plan leading up to that point. So in our case, it's really gonna help us actually um, optimize our capacities better, respond better, and we think that we can actually respond more, supply more, because we have this ability to unconstrain and reconstrain across multiple nodes in the supply chain um, as well. So that's what we're driving to um, as our design goal for the product um, in order to basically be more responsive and anticipate more where that would have taken us weeks to work through um, with Excel spreadsheets and SAP. So that's one of the pieces we're really kind of looking to uh, leverage the tool and move towards. Yeah, I remember, I, I won't name the company, but we, we would get a tender in Europe and then all hell would break loose. You know, we would, we would uh, everyone would be running their models, their spreadsheets, trying to figure out if we uh, could respond to the tender. Uh, there was a time limit. Obviously, you have to supply within, I guess, a month of getting mm -hmm. awarded the tender. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it would take us a week to figure that out. Uh, mm -hmm. from what you're saying you'll be able to run multiple scenarios and, and, and figure it all out in half an hour and, uh, and then be able to give an answer. Yeah, exactly. And also our, SAP, our SNOP cycles are normally a month, right? We can run an SNOP cycle now in days because we can look mm -hmm. at the API bulk and finished good levels and the market levels concurrently yeah. um, versus waiting for all those levels to run in batch jobs that take a week and then you have to respond to lateness from that run. Uh, and so it literally takes you three to four weeks just to get to a feasible end-to-end -end plan. So one of the things we're looking forward to is being more concurrent-based planning um, yeah. through this platform. Now, do you do you ever do things like hold um, a buffer inventory of bulk tablets or capsules, knowing that a tender might come, and just to help you respond? I mean, I, I know you can't forecast tenders, but in a way, you can maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, th I think when you look at the data, right, historical tender data, um, you can forecast tenders because when you look back after two years, those same tenders and needs are, are kind of forming patterns. So, yes, so we will try to forecast it. We will produce up to white stock, as we call it, or bright stock, right, which is an unlabeled pack or an unlabeled vial. And then we're waiting for that final demand uh, consistent with the lead time of the site to get confirmed and then we're moving into a packaging run where we're committing that vial or bottle or pack to the country uh, based on kind of the best optimization and needs of the patients. Um, so again, we, we have to run this where we're taking bets that we think make sense. Uh, but again, having the ability to run these what if scenario plans yeah. are really, really uh, important to us. Can you forecast your probability of being awarded a tender? Yes, you can. I mean, yes. So, so that goes in. So on the predictive side, we're actually looking at models now to look at historical stockout trends and forward data. So if we know that there's been 43 or FDA inspection oh, yeah. uh, violations, right, or posted 
uh, or geographic uh, issues around the world with uh, natural disasters or financial or economic impacts. Um, we're actually looking and scraping data to collect that and then feeding it into a predictive model that's basically saying, yes, we think there's going to be event here. Also looking at number of players, is the product complex to produce? So all those factors you can, and price. So if price gets to be too low, it will automatically trigger risk because in the generics world, unfortunately, um, our companies tend to bid very, very, very low um, mm -hmm. to the point where it's not a sustainable supply um, uh, award, right? And so the models are looking at that um, and we're getting some success with about the six to eight month range of starting to see some trends of, of outages that we can then respond to now with inventory builds um, and planning. That's amazing. I, I've not seen anyone scraping FDA data. I, I've, I've been on their website. It's not easy to scrape. Yes. Um, yes. EMA, FDA, yes. That's, uh, yeah. And I've been a victim of a consent decree, so. Uh, yeah. It did help the com competition for sure. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay, Kevin, great. Uh, I, I'd like to wrap up with a kind of a broader question. Mm -hmm. if, if you were the chief supply chain officer of the world, <laughs> okay, and maybe you will be someday, um, but if that was your role, uh, but let's just talk about supply chain and industry and all that. What mm -hmm. what would be your priority in digital transformation? What What would be like that out of the box um, idea that you can challenge our audience with? Yeah, I, I think I think it's how we collaborate across companies in the future. That that I think we've had this mindset that we can only we our own companies can solve the world's future supply risks, right? Whether it's a pandemic um, or shortage. But the fact of the matter is, there's not enough capacity in any one company to solve the health needs of the world. Um, and I think um, as we, we I work someone with the Gates Foundation as well, that unless we find a way to understand capacities that are available in the world, components that are available in the world, um, lead times um, in a way that's not uh, anti-competitive, but in a way that helps deliver medicines, not just to rich countries, but also to low income countries, middle income yeah. countries um, collectively. Um, that's where we have to go. And we have to work with governments, we have to work with policymakers, and as well as working with our commercial companies. But for me, that in order to really get there, we have to somehow find a better way to work together, um, where there's something or some way to pull us together. And digital is probably the biggest enabler of information flow. And then we just have to layer on the human behavioral part of it. Mm -hmm. the trust part of it, the policy part of it, you know, the humanity part of it, in order to start to really make sure that first we take care of patients where they need it, and then we get to also at the same time drive innovation with medicines and deliver medicines that no one's ever thought about or that can treat conditions that, that you know, we all suffer from. So it's a balance, I think, supply chain-wise of this idea that there's a a right to medicine and healthcare that the global populations and patients have, um, and that we need to have a supply chain that can somewhat respond to that, while at the same time bringing lots of innovative, great ideas that should be protected 
um, because that's the way that we're going to move forward with treating new diseases or diseases that we have today. So that would be my my wish as a as a world supply chain person was to find a collaborative way that we see our resources more together when we need to, but then also we allow for innovation to happen um, in the uh, in, in a way that protects intellectual property and capital. I, I love that vision, Kevin. In fact, you you have my vote. Uh, for that role. Uh, and I, I think it's interesting. I think the pandemic brought us together mm -hmm. uh, and companies were collaborating as they never have before, uh, but it shouldn't take a pandemic. I fully agree with you. It should exactly. take the healthcare of the world um, as, as their motivation. So Exactly. Okay, Kevin, thank you so much uh, for today. Thank you for taking the time to spend with us. And uh, thanks to the audience who have listened in. And um, I would encourage you to listen to our next podcast in uh, Big Ideas in Supply Chain. Have a great day and goodbye. Thank you so much.